Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Welcome to Light of the East. Oftentimes I'm asked about the state of vocations in the eastern lung of the church, in particular my church, the Byzantine Catholic Church of the Ruthenian jurisdiction. People oftentimes ask me, do we have young ladies becoming nuns? Do we have young men becoming monks? Do we have enough priests? And my answer to that is, yes, we too have a shortage, just as in many areas of the western lung of the church, we do have a shortage. What we define as shortage might be a little bit different in proportion than we have in the west. For instance, in the Eastern churches, we have parishes as small as 20, 15, 30 families. And an average Byzantine Catholic parish might be perhaps 150, 200 families, might be kind of average. There are some that are much bigger. But in spite of this, we actually say we have a priest shortage because parishes this small, many of them will actually get their own full-time priest. That is sometimes maybe unthinkable to many in the Latin rite who work with much bigger numbers. But it's a matter of proportion. So for us, yes, we need priests, and we especially need not only numbers of priests, but we need younger priests. Well, we're privileged and fortunate in our Eparch of Parma, as well as on Light of the East today, to have one of our young priests here. We welcome to Light of the East, newly ordained, Father Richard Plishka from the Eparch of Parma. Welcome to Light of the East, Father Richard. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Thank you, Father Tom. Yes, and thank you for your vocation, for your youthfulness. <laughs> uh, well, thank, thank God for that. Uh, you are our youngest priest, and we really haven't had a young priest ordained for uh, a while, not nearly like we used to, and we certainly need many more young priests. And we need priests, as I mentioned. Numerically, we need more priests, but we also need them especially young priests. So tell us a little bit about your experience as far as being a young priest, and, and what brought you to become a priest in the Byzantine Catholic Church? Well, you know, I grew up in the Byzantine Church. And I've always loved this church. I've always loved our liturgy. And for me, it just became a sort of natural thing. There were just so many ways in which God was pointing to me that this is where he was calling me to be. You know, you love this liturgy. You love this spirituality. You love these people. You know, mm -hmm. Give yourself to them. And my relationship with a lot of people growing up in my parish and in my hometown just really pointed to the fact that this is what God wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I think one of the things we think about when we say, oh, well, we need young priests uh, and I am the youngest, as you mentioned, of our priests, but I think one of the things that we really need is not necessarily priests who are maybe young in age, but priests who are young in spirit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I found one of the things that's been really exciting for me 
going around is is just kind of seeing the difference between how a priest interacts in his parish versus how a priest interacts, you know, kind of generally when we gather together. Mm-hmm. And I find that in the parishes, a lot of the times that there is an energy that comes even from our young, our older priests. Mm-hmm. And that's been really encouraging for me to kind of see how their experiences and their age and their wisdom plays into their ministry, mm-hmm. but at the same time, how their people kind of feed them and encourage them and, and keep them young, even though they may be older. That's a very good point, Father Richard, and, and one that I find encouraging because I'm 55 years old. And if I live a long life, I will, of course, older priest. <laughs> and I often wonder, as I think to myself, gee, I hope when I'm older because of age and, like, and so on like that, that I, I don't lose anything, you know, energy or zeal. And I have seen older priests, as you say, who are very, very inspiring for me because they always, they seem to be forever young. And at the same time, I've seen others that seem to, you know, be kind of maybe a little worn mm-hmm. out or tired out. Mm-hmm. So it's encouraging to hear you observe that, that it's not a matter of age. It's a matter of the, the age of your, your spirit, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. Your age of your sort of your, your, your zeal. Now, as a, as a young priest, what can you tell people listening, especially if there's any young people listening or parents who have young, family, young, young children that maybe they would like to have their sons become priests, mm-hmm. what can you tell about the, the transition? In other words, you were once a layman, mm-hmm. <laughs> a young man, college student, right. still a young man. Right. You are now a priest. Was that a quantum leap for you? Is, how is it, is it different for you or how is it different? Well, you've been ordained how long now? Uh, just a year, November 8th, Feast of Michael and the Angels. One year as of this program. <laughs> so yes. Congratulations, just Thank one you. year. Thank you. You really are a baby priest. A baby priest, say. taking my first step. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you remind me so much of myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at that age, <laughs> 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. But has it been a, a dramatic change for you? And, and what kind of change has it been? The most striking experience for me in terms of really realizing where I, quote unquote, had been as a layman versus where I am now as a priest actually happened last year at Christmas time. Uh, we have a wonderful group of young adults in the Eparchy of Parma uh, who gather. Many times our bishop will open his residence to us and invite us to come and pray vespers there with him and then gather and spend some time with us in reflection and prayer. And last year we had a um, kind of potluck pre-Christmas dinner. And as the dinner was winding down, someone said, you know, we should pray Compline. And of course, as you know, then since it's during the fasting period, we're praying Compline, it's great Compline, and we're singing this God with us. And the priest is chanting these verses from the prophecy of Isaiah. And I was a newly ordained priest of just a little bit more than a month. And I was gathered there with this group of young men and women who I had prayed with many times, who I had been out with many times socially. And I'm standing there in front of the royal doors in the chapel at our cathedral, and I'm praying these verses. And one of them, is, behold, here I am with the children the Lord has given me. And that to me was just so profound. And I actually kind of got a little choked up as I was praying because it hit me that a month before, these are my friends. Mm-hmm. And here they are, they're still my friends. You know, mm-hmm. we spent the whole evening together enjoying each other's company. But now, because of who I am by God's grace as a priest, mm-hmm. I stand here and I say, these are the children mm-hmm. the Lord has given me. And, and that, that's been a great source of both joy and also sometimes anxiety for mm-hmm. me in, in terms of what that means. Um, but with regard to the question of people who are maybe feeling that God may be calling them, uh, I would say that you know, if, if you walk into it with this Pollyanna sort of attitude that everything is going to be wonderful, you know, you're mistaken. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I'm sure that you could you know, speak to that a lot more after 27 years. Um, but at the same time, 
I can say that there have just been so many times when God has just really been reaching out and, and virtually screaming to me, saying, you know, this is who I called you to be. This mm-hmm. is who I made you to be. And uh, to parents, I would say, if you feel that your son is called to the priesthood or religious life or your daughter, uh, to really encourage them and, and to pray for them, because I think that's been a great source of support for me, the prayers of my family. You mentioned this moment when you saw your friends the same yet different. How have they seen you since you became a priest? (laughs) I think that's interesting. Uh, One young lady who uh, actually was a parishioner from from your parish here in Chicago, who has since moved out to the Cleveland area, um, we've been friends for a number of years. And one of the things that that she's witnessed to me, and and that's been sort of striking, is uh, whenever we're out together, she said, you know, well, People always come to you and ask you about God. Why, why are they asking you about God? I, said, I don't know, but it, it's a striking thing. And I think especially as, as a young face, when you walk in, you know, to a social situation in a collar and whether it's, you know, a, a dinner situation, whether it's, you know, an art opening or, or a bar or a coffee shop, uh, somehow they notice you and they're wondering, mm-hmm. well, what's he all about? And, and I'd like to think that in some small way, it's almost an invitation to them to say, you know, here's God, mm-hmm. you know, and not here's me, but here's God inviting you to encounter him in some way. And so that's what I told her. I said, well, you know, I don't think that they're really noticing me because I'm mm-hmm. not really much to notice, but uh, I think that maybe they're noticing what they're really looking for, you know. You know, I think one of the great miracles and mysteries of the priesthood, Father Richard, is just what you're saying, but the different phases of it. Now, I lived through two phases. I was a young priest, and now I'm a middle-aged priest. And I noticed that, just as you're saying, there is a kind of a witness that is unique to each era. There is a witness that you and you alone can give as a young priest, that you can only give while you're young now. There's a particular kind of witness, a kind of a, as you say, people are attracted to you because... It, it, it's a great witness. It's a fascination. They see this young man who could be, my goodness, he could be a, a, a wonderful husband, a boyfriend, just a regular guy. He seems like, uh, you know, oftentimes you hear this, this, uh, <laughs> this phrase, oh, what a waste. You know? <laughs> yeah. <Why? laughs> he could be this, he could be that. He's so much fun. He's this and that. He was yeah. nice looking, he's whatever. Yeah. He was fun. Well, and yet they sing, but he chose this. And so there's a draw towards you. There's a fascination. And, and you have that now uh, in you precisely because you're a young priest. And then as you get older, as I'm finding as a middle-aged priest, there's a particular way that people respond to you precisely because of your middle age. In other words, mm-hmm. they kind of respond to you in a way where they're, they're recognizing a certain level of experience, as it were, and perhaps certain wisdom, as it were. Uh, at least this is how I'm finding people mm-hmm. are responding differently. Uh, now, I hopefully, I'll live to see the third phase, which is an old priest. <laughs> but hopefully, we'll all be young at heart, as you certainly are. You're full of all kinds of, of energy and, and charisma, and that's, that's a real blessing to the church. Thank you. What about your, your actual experience of the priesthood now? In other words, have, what have you been doing since you've been ordained? Oh, my. <laughs> I've been doing a whole host of things. Um, I That's think, typical young priests. Yeah. <laughs> they just gobble you up. The Here and there and everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> and I think that's probably a lot truer. I mean, you know, in terms of what you were saying at the outset with regard to our parish situation, I think it's also true of us on an epicular diocesan level that uh, there is a lot more of a demand. And um, one of the things that I've been blessed to be able to do is really work in a number of 
areas. I spent some time at a parish uh, for a few months. I've been working in our chancery office, particularly in youth ministry, uh, in young adult ministry. I've had the opportunity to work with a number of the local colleges in the Cleveland area. Um, I've been traveling with our bishop. That's been a wonderful blessing. And I think in terms of that, it's been a great opportunity to really connect with a lot of our priests and a lot of our people throughout the eparchy and to see that they're, they're all thirsting for the same reality. You know, they all mm-hmm. want to find God somehow. And to be able to, in whatever way it is, bring that experience to them has really been a great joy for me. Well, we're going to talk more with our vivacious young priest friend here on <laughs> guest on Light of the East, Father Richard Plishka, when we return, listening to Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. And if your radio seems a little bit warm right now or your wires are on fire, it's because of the energy of the guest that we have in our studio today, <laughs> Father Richard Pliska. Young Father Richard Pliska, the newly ordained priest from the Eparchy of Parma. And once <laughs> Thank again, you, Father Tom. <laughs> thanks for being here with us, My uh, pleasure. Richard, and, My pleasure. And warming us with your energy on these, these winter days here. Speaking of your energy, why would someone want to be a Byzantine Catholic priest, a young man? What, what, you mentioned a little bit about what drew you personally, but... Mm-hmm. What would draw more men? Oh, I think that's a great question. Um, and actually, it's probably a question that I'll ask to a group of men. We have a group of young men coming to our residence, the bishop's residence, uh, on Wednesday evening of this coming week, actually to pray Vespers with us and to discuss their discernment of their vocations. Uh, and I think one of the things is that guys are always looking to do something. We always want to be creative. We always want to mm-hmm. build. We always want to have a, a source for that, that 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 outlet of that kind of life-giving energy that's part of us. Very good. Sounds like the theology of the body. Very it, it, good. it does, Father Tom. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I, think, I think that's one thing that comes across very profoundly, um, and especially in our church where a lot of times, you know, we talked earlier about priests and about some of the older priests and being young at heart, but I think it's true, too, of our people and perhaps more so of our people that there are so many older folks. And for me, one of the things that's been really amazing is to see how just 
by sitting down at a table with me and many times not even having any conversation in terms of me saying something, but just them sharing with me, they seem to walk away energized. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly life-giving dynamic for me. And I think the other thing of it is too that as, as I look around and I talk to people and I, I try to get out, one of my favorite things to do is uh, to actually work and do my reading and some of my office work at coffee shops around Cleveland, which is where we're from. And uh, it's striking to me that people are really into life. You know, they, 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 they love art. They love philosophy. They love mm-hmm. creativity. And, and there are all of these kind of far Eastern philosophies and so-called spiritualities that are attracting them. And I think for me, at least, and, and I think for some other guys, one of the things that's been really amazing is to see how you know, in our church, we're offering all of that plus more, mm-hmm. you know, because at the center of it all is not some sort of emptiness or some sort of hole or void, but is really the living God. Right. And, and, and that, that's amazing. And, and I think that, you know, people are really looking for someone to give their life to and, this church is is a place to do that because, you know, here we encounter God, and that's really our message, this God with us. How does a young priest in the Eastern Lung of the Church, how does young priest pray? I, I'm spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of liturgical prayer, I, I'm, I'm blessed that, that I, together with, with another older priest from our eparchy, um, am in residence with our bishop. So we do pray the Divine Liturgy together every day in the morning when we're home before we go to the office. Uh, we do pray Vespers together every evening. So that's, that's really the heart of my liturgical prayer. Um, and I, I find that for me, that, that, that's, that's a real staying power. You know, on the days when we're out on the road and we're moving around and th- that, that rootedness is missing there's something missing in my life. Um, but on a personal level, I think there are two things for me. Uh, one is just walking. I mean, I, I, I'm notoriously cheap when it comes to parking. I, I don't like to pay to park my car. So I'll find the free place to park the car, which typically necessitates walking a great distance. And, and I find that that's a great time for just this real kind of quiet prayer and contemplation in, in a very oftentimes urban setting to just look mm. at what's happening and to be able to, to thank God for, for the day, to thank God for the seasons, but also to pray for the people I meet along the way. And, and then the other thing is um, in the evenings, I'm, I'm very much a night person. So uh, at nighttime before going to bed, again, being at the residence there with, with His grace, it, it's a blessing to have a chapel there and uh, to be able to spend my quiet time at night uh, when I come back just there in the chapel. And um, there are times when I, when I simply literally will fall asleep, uh, <laughs> curled up on the floor there, you know, uh, in the chapel. And I think there's something very life-giving about that, too. You know, you do remind me of myself in a couple of ways. <laughs> First of Good, all, I hope, Father. <laughs> oh, yeah. First of all, you discover one of my old haunts, <laughs> the marvelous east side of Cleveland. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, University yeah. Circle area, the That's campus right. area. As you say, with the coffee shops and the philosophy and that's all right, that, and the right. art, you know. That's I used right. to go there, especially as a young priest, and before I was a priest, because that's where I went to art school. And the art was, of course, my background. I went to Cleveland Institute of Art, so that, that's always been my kind of my refuge. And I never would, would see anybody I knew out there, mm-hmm. you know. So it was always sort of like my little sanctuary. And secondly, as you just said, it's interesting to hear you say this, I too found a great source of prayer in the urban setting. Mm-hmm. I used to just to love to walk through city streets uh, in, in, in especially in those areas in the cultural centers and like that and just it, just look around just be just see and mm-hmm. just somehow I sensed God in a very real way and I still do and uh, that was always one of my favorite things to do sure I love the country I love God's mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. but 
in a in a different sort of way, I also love the urban setting in terms of experiencing God. It's like you almost are on retreat. You're almost in solitude, yet you're in a, in an urban setting. It, it is possible to almost like be in retreat, right. as it were, in right. an urban setting. It's it's energizing, and also uh, inspiring and, and and meditative all at the same time. Yeah, I think one of the things, and you know this from from your experience of the prayer of our church, is that our theology is really in our hymnody and in our iconography. And I, I'm I'm pretty certain that that it's for uh, the bishop saints that the the common tropar prays. You attained contemplation in the active life, right? And exactly. and that that's sort of what I think of in that experience. That contemplation is not about necessarily being put away, although it can happen mm-hmm. there. But that it's really in the midst of our daily life. That we now you've God. touched on another one of the great geniuses of the Eastern spirituality, and of course that's part of the goal of this program here is to share the riches of the Eastern lung of the Church, so that East and West together would be enriched by it. And one of those riches is that we have this sort of both-and integration. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not, are you, oftentimes we're asked, especially about our monasteries, are you contemplative or are you an active you know, <laughs> order or, or monastery? Right. Right. And we always find that question kind of puzzling in the Eastern Church because in the Eastern Church, there, in a sense, there's no line between the two. Mm-hmm. You are contemplative through your activity, and your activity enables you to become contemplative. And the, the two sort of are, are integrated. You really don't uh, separate the two. There's moments of contemplation, moments of activity, and many times the two are fused. One energizes or subsists in the other. Mm-hmm. And again, this what you just touched on is very much a hallmark of Eastern Christian spirituality, and especially in particular Eastern monasticism, which is just monasticism. We've talked oftentimes on this program about Eastern monasticism, had many great monks on there like Father Nicholas and Father Maximus and so on. And, and they've always talked about the relevancy of this integrated spirituality for our world today, because our world is very disintegrated. You know, we tend to swing between poles, you know, we're this or we're that. You know, we're liberal, we're conservative. We're right. contemplative, we're right. active. We're Republican, we're Democrat. You know? mm-hmm. We're hot, we're cold, we're for or against, we're winner or loser. You know, right. we're, we're like schizophrenic, <laughs> yeah. you know, bipolar. And, and that's not where the where life is. Life is in the, the sort of the convergence of the paradox. It's in that, that uh, tension of complementarity, that both and. And I think that's one of the great geniuses of the Eastern spirituality. And it's very evident in our liturgy, in our monasticism, and all throughout our spirituality. Okay, Father Richard, I'm sure that although you've only been ordained just a little over a year, that the priesthood has already taken you to places you never thought you'd be. <laughs> to experiences you maybe thought you never had. Yeah. Never had, right? <laughs> Already. Where do you envision it might take you as it, as your life in the priesthood of the Byzantine Catholic Church oh, unfolds? I mean, wow. only God knows. But wow. do you envision everything? The reason why I ask you is because certainly after 27 years of the priesthood, the priesthood has taken me to places I could have never envisioned. Mm-hmm. Some places I could envision or wanted to be, and God, in a sense, granted that. Mm-hmm. But more so, though, places I would have never dreamed, such as sitting behind this microphone right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on the same page with that one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and probably the, the story of what, what brought me here kind of long term is, is, is a whole other issue. But, uh, you know, to imagine that I would have been a Byzantine Catholic priest in the Eparchy of Parma, uh, even at the time when I applied to seminary, uh, <laughs> is, is something that would never have really crossed my mind or been on my radar. Uh, and so what you say is very true, that God really does have a plan for us. And I think probably one of the most important things, and 
for anyone to be aware of in his or her life, but especially someone who's really trying to be engaged in living a life of faith and, and any kind of real discernment is to be open to that plan. Um, my spiritual father once said, you know, God has a plan and, and God's plan is more wonderful and more perfect and more complete than anything we could imagine for ourselves. And I think that's true. And, and while I have certain ideas, I mean, uh, I, I love the work that I'm doing with young people. I love the work that I'm doing in the office. I love the work that I'm doing with evangelization. I love the retreats. I love the opportunity to travel. Those are all things that are very exciting to me. And while I'd like to continue those, uh, I'm really kind of confident that wherever God puts me, it's going to be an opportunity for him to work through me. And I'm excited about that because that's more wonderful than anything I could imagine. <laughs> Well, Father Richard, let's conclude our program today by doing what Byzantine priests traditionally often used to do when they'd get together. They would sing the chant and the hymns of our church. Beautiful. It is truly proper to glorify you, O Theotokos, the ever-blessed, immaculate, and the mother of our God, more honorable than the cherubim, and beyond compare more glorious than the seraphim, who are virgin gave birth to God the Word. You truly are Theotokos, we magnify. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.